Welcome back to EXPN, the Experience Network. I am your interim host, Paige Theta Rowe, and with me as always, a meat machine that needs no diagnostics or maintenance, Sarge Hardbody, spokesman for the Iron Church. Hello, gay church. The fallow crown just made their way through a real brain scrambler of a puzzle and are about to walk enter Dreamville for the first time. I'm sure they could use a diagnostic after so grueling a challenge. Hey, Sarge? Uh, not really. Those are some pretty standard door puzzles. I'm really worried about you, bud. Ha! I know. <laughs> right? Like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Crazy. Too bad there's no way to find out. Huh. Dreamville, though, eh? They say that dreams are an organic way of performing routine diagnostics and maintenance on their primary motivation cause. But that's silly because they don't need diagnostics. Not like mechanoids, like me, who, like me, need regular and intensive diagnostics run every few weeks. What was the date again? Oh, look at this calendar, which lists the last time I've done things. Feel free to peruse that at your convenience. Wow, thanks. You know how much I love compartmentalizing the incomprehensible nature of time into easily digestible segments. Hey, Paige. Uh, I was wondering if maybe we should call somebody to, uh, I don't know, run a diagnostic on you. <laughs> what? That's absurd. I don't need a diagnostic. I had my last maintenance checkup over nine months ago. Why would I need something like that? Okie dokie. And just so I'm clear here, you don't want me to call a forge doc to tinker with your thinker on live scry. Absolutely not. That would be a gross violation of any programming I may have incurred in the last nine months, and could potentially damage the reputation of this show, and indirectly that of higher-ranking league officials. Roger Dodger, understood. Why don't we get back to the action while the two of us sit here quietly, and don't contact anybody? I would wink here, but yesterday was Obicularis Day at the gym, and my flaps are rigid. You read my mind. Dreamville has become a nightmare. The people of all shapes, sizes, and saturations, are sapped of the joy that sustains them. Tattered, colorless husks, their outlines, jagged charcoal, shuffle through cracked and broken streets. Their eyes, wide, hollow voids, boring into you as hungry, hanging black mouths thirst for your color. The air is filled with the sickly sweetness of a festering wound, and all around you the once bright and vivacious infrastructure sags and crumbles under overcast skies, black ink dripping from the cracks. One creature, with some little color left to him, trundles up to you. Before you stands a bear. Not a terrifying beast of the woods, but a smoothed-out and wide-eyed version of the same, though the pupils of his eyes threaten to swallow the rest, as they have so many others here. He is clad in a full-body clown suit, complete with polka dots and ruffs, and his face is caked with many cracking layers of white paint and red accents. Welcome to Dreamville. I'm Mayor Clown Bear. Resident <laughs> Good Boy is not currently available. 
Hi, Mayor Clown Bear. I'm Wusha. That's nice. Why isn't President Good Boy available? Uh, he's been locked in his workshop with the Closet Club for days. The bear steps aside, and behind him is the only structure with any color left. A tall red brick foundry stands triumphant over the devastation. Every smokestack, vent, and protruding feature bears a face of grim determination and forced joy. The last bastion of hope in a hopeless place. A fresh coat of paint has been applied to every non-brick surface, and the splatters, brushes, and empty cans suggest that this has been done multiple times a day, with multiple colors since the trouble began. There is a large metal garage door in the side of the foundry, and to the right of it, a normal door, with a bright, friendly sign that says, Keep out, under penalty of tickles. We have a very strict justice system. (laughs) (laughs) I like tickles. Now, let's not just assume that because they've all turned gray and were robbed of color, that's a bad thing. This happens to a lot of people. (laughs) Oh, he was going to say, Yavos, this is where you're from. God, no. (laughs) Well, uh, Mayor Clownbear, the only reason we're here to see President Goodboy is we're looking for someone who's not from this place. A young man clad in the shortest of shorts. And the widest of ties. That's him. That's President Goodboy, all right. But this place has fallen apart. Those nasty goons from the edge of town are behind this, I'm sure of it. Goon-toons? Exactly. I've failed him. My only job was to keep him happy. I've been hitting the sauce pretty hard. He reaches behind his back and pulls out a big bottle that says soy sauce on it and starts <laughs> chugging. <laughs> I was may a fucking clown bear. Now I'm just Buck Martins, a sauced-up bear in a clown costume. Oh, God, I've become my father. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put my hand on Mayor Clown Bear's shoulder and say, Listen, friend, you chose to be messed up on soy sauce. That is not a cliche. You could have picked maple syrup or honey or orange marmalade, but you chose soy sauce, and that makes you unique. Let me show you... A new way. That's it. That's the joke. (laughs) Look, if you want to go into the workshop, that's up to you. I'm going to be here drinking my troubles. Uh, Mayor Clown Bear, your, your mayor, your, your bearness. McClown. (laughs) McClown. (laughs) Buck will do fine. Right, Buck. Uh, how do we get in, and do we just have to accept tickles, and who's giving the tickles, and where? <laughs> no one here breaks the law. The sign's mostly there as a deterrent. These are very kind and honest people, aren't they? Well, they used to be. He looks over, and you see a cartoon weasel of some sort, wholesale devouring ducks by the dozen. What happened here? I don't know. It's been going downhill for a while, though. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's those bastards. He points in the distance and you see a dark, heavy cloud hanging over what was previously described as the edge of town. I suppose that our path now has two points. One is to go and see Mayor Goodboy, who sounds like is in fact our rescuee, Dirk Bradley. Or we can go and investigate this dark cloud and see if we can help these people and Perhaps in righting some wrong, help uh, undo whatever's happening here and holding 
Dark Prisoner. For what it's worth, if we have to go deal with thems from out of town, we've been on a lot of these outings so far, a lot of these tasks, and we got kicked, bashed, and stabbed in lots of them. I ain't never had my body gently palpated for tickles on one of these before, so I'm down for new experiences. (laughs) It is a very novel threat, yes. I'm done with this place. I'm just going to go knock on the door. (laughs) Uh, You march across the street and knock on the smaller door. As you do, the sign falls off and it says, keep out under threat of death. Oh, well. (laughs) Just put that back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the tickles. A few seconds later, you hear a large clatter as somebody frantically tries to run towards the door. The slat opens. Normal human eyes look out at you. Not the strange cartoon of the world around, but those of a familiar face. Who's there? Fallow, fallow crown. Mr. Bradley? <laughs> Please, Mr. Bradley. Well, that's not my dad. Um, Don't call me Mr. Bradley. Who the hell are, why are you here? Uh, we were sent here by your colleague, uh, Mr. Warren Rustborough hired us. How did he do that? He's been bathing for the last six days. What do you mean bathing? Uh, not important. Uh, he sent us a, a scridio crystal. Uh, it was recorded in advance. <laughs> Leave it to Rusty, trying to save me at every turn. I'm sure he loves me. No, I really don't. <laughs> this can't be you. There's no way you could have gotten here. My father sent you, didn't he? Uh, I'm afraid we don't know who that is. How do I know you're here to help me? I will take out this Gridio crystal and maybe just play the first few seconds of it. Is that my voice I hear out there? That's weird. (laughs) A distant roar of machinery, which you had attributed to the foundry, has been growing steadily louder. Ah, crap. They're coming again. Who's coming? The edge of town. They keep coming over and over and over again. I've been sending wave after wave of cartoons at them, but it turns out they don't have much power behind them. They're just weasels and rats. Okay. Not a side quest. Okay, look, look, look. Uh, I swear uh, I will let you in and we can figure this out together. If, if you help me keep them off me. We're here stuck in the middle of it with you, so we'll do our best. <sighs> okay, I'm trusting you. I seem somehow drawn to this challenge. The large rolled steel door begins to slide upward. Checkered floors in candy cane red and white are stained heavily by years of spilled, uncleaned, granulated sugar. The powder clings to every surface of the workshop. Conveyors carry baked goods of all kinds from the literal mouth of a great oven, whose eyes shine with the light of the fire within. A vast tube in the back corner pumps ingredients into a large blue contraption, its eyes straining under the unseen labor until it spews out sheet after sheet of toffee onto the floor. But of most note is the cauldron in the center, sunken into the ground as a vast pool of swirling rainbow liquid, fed by six smaller cauldrons around it, each one contributing a color, each one bearing a face of concern. In one such cauldron, with an orange liquid the color of rust, a hefty black dwarf sits in the same cartoony style as yourselves. He seems to be overcome with a powerful melancholy 
and, if you had to guess, slightly drunk. Orange, you glad you're going to hop in with me? It's real nice in here. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> the water tastes like homework, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Rustboro. I've always wanted to bathe in a rainbow, but, um, no thank you. Swimsuits optional. <laughs> what is wrong with him? Well, I think eventually everybody kind of gets like that if they're here too long. Except me, I guess. Because, I mean, I'm already like that. But, um, yeah. Speaking of, y'all should know that you're kind of a part of this place now. And the state of this place is going to be reflected on you after too long. So I'm going to need you to really uh, perk it up a bit. <laughs> you got it. Does that mean we're slowly turning into giggle-brained idiots? Uh, yeah, unless, you know, I can get you out of here, but I can't even seem to get myself out of here. So, yeah. Oh, no. Wusha's already got to be at, like, stage two. <laughs> Wusha's gonna turn around and point a finger, which is slowly becoming a pirate hook at Iavos, and say, <laughs> That's Captain Giggle-brained idiot to you. Well, um, here's the thing. So as long as you're here, uh, you're all working under the same rules as normal cartoons. So, uh, live into it. Just make it a part of your whole shtick. I swear, it'll make everything better. Every time you do it, everything will get a little happier. The grinding sounds get louder and louder, until finally, the source comes into view. Great metal machines of war are rolling up the thoroughfare, flattening the populace as they come. Their steel is black. Their design, modern and sleek, with sharp angles and hard edges. What color there is comes in sinister shades of red and purple. As the largest of these machines comes to a stop, the doors open to reveal henchmen carrying crossbows and batons, which arc with electrical energy. They are clad head to toe in leather and steel, with angular riot helms, all accented in yellow. Among their number are officers of no small novelty, in place of the standard uniforms, each officer has an elemental theme to them. One is stained orange, his uniform tattered, dripping with ochre liquid which sizzles as it hits the ground. One charred in crimson, smoldering as fire rises from the burned patches. The last is accented in purple, with a violet skull on his helm. He radiates a black light which decays everything it touches. They are still some distance away from you, as Dirk Bradley runs to a door nearby and opens it. You're going to need all the help you can get. Inside, you see an arsenal of sorts. The first is Clean Up Claire, a luxurious steel mop with a sharpened end. When a killing blow is dealt with this plus two spear, it can immediately make another attack against an adjacent enemy. Clean Up Claire can also retain one liquid in which she has been dipped. When making an attack, she can release this liquid upon impact. Next is Buck the Bucket, a rusty bucket with a T cut into it. This helm grants a plus one to AC, and after taking a full move in a straight line, the wearer can make a melee attack at plus one, dealing 2d6 bludgeoning damage. Broomhilda, a manky old broom with splinters and a frayed brush. By speaking a command word, this plus two spear explodes, sending wooden shrapnel into all adjacent squares. The effect deals 4d4 piercing damage. And uh, as a bonus action, you can speak encouraging words while standing in the same square as her, and she'll reform herself back into her broom shape. Cuthbert Cuttingboard, 
Upon being struck, this plus two shield will attempt to seize any piercing, slashing weapon, or natural attack. After a failed attack by the aforementioned weapon type, roll an opposed attack check to disarm your opponent. <laughs> Next up, we have Baking Sonia. It has 30 charges. This magical powder can neutralize any liquid it is added to. Sprinkle it all over yourself, consuming two charges, to grant yourself protection from acid for three rounds. Eat a charge to grant protection from poison. Add one charge to five cubic feet of acid or poison to neutralize it. Finally, Potato Pete. This is a potato. You're not sure what it does. Dibs. Mm. <laughs> what kinds of weapons are these? They're weapons of friendship. Say hello to the Closet Club. Literally everything you've seen here has had a face, a personality, and some level of buoyancy. These are just objects. They don't even seem to have the normal color and vibrancy that you have. No outline, no sense of being drawn. They're just normal objects. But you can feel the energy radiating off them. Wuxia gets a big, dumb smile on his wet, shaggy bearded face and runs at the closet full speed. As a dust cloud surrounds it, you can hear clanking and cranking, tinking and tanking while he's in there. And he steps out, holding a mop in one hand, a broom in the other hand, and a bucket on his head. Covering his eyes and nose, but not his smile, he says, Once a swabby, always a swabby. Time to clean up this city. <laughs> the second you put them on, they are immediately attuned. Oh. <laughs> oh. They suddenly take on your same level of cartoonishness, which, as you do these things, increases somewhat. Your head is larger, your body is lankier and goofier, your feet are noticeably and almost clownishly larger. <laughs> Would anybody else like to grab the one other object? <laughs> no, there's three more objects. There's a baking soda, a cutting board, and a potato. <laughs> baking soda, cutting board, potato. That sounds good to me. Okay. You know, I am technically certified through Aura to use a shield. I just never do. I suppose I can carry this for now. I feel much better with a cutting board in my hand than an implement of war. I mean, you can protect yourself and then cut your vegetables for your stew at the same time. Oh, when we're done with them, we'll be cutting onions for the enemy. <laughs> Nellie clings to her potato the most normal thing she's encountered here <laughs> it seems to get more real if that were possible oh thank goodness as do you how long has that potato been in the closet potatoes don't go bad everybody knows that I was about to say 35 years you can thank me later. I said I'd pay for any extra glory usage. Holding his hand up over his mouth and whispering really loudly, that includes new magic items. Wink, he says aloud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, get ready to defend. I got to calibrate this damn thing. He immediately runs over to a console and starts hammering away at it with his fingers. It makes a xylophone sound. Uh, hanging above the closet club door is an item that was unnoticed, a very oversized horseshoe, which Iavos is going to turn from inverted to upright 
give it a little kiss and cast bless on the party. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Does anybody else want a single action to prepare yourselves for the combat? I will cast mage armor. Excellent. I guess I'll take a spoonful of this baking soda. <laughs> Beautiful. Gross. <laughs> as you pick up the box of baking soda, you immediately catch a strong whiff of an old refrigerator. And as you take a spoonful, it also tastes like an old refrigerator. The box itself begins to quiver with anticipation as you pick up the spoon. And once you stick it in, it seems to release that anticipation. It's very uncomfortable. Oh, ew. It's a uh, ram raspberry flavored. <laughs> we should hold on to some of that to be useful at home to clean up Usha's um, messes. In addition to these extra actions, some of you, for playing along, get a little extra bonus. Everyone at the table has access to a set of tune abilities that will come up as we go. And you spend tune points to use them. You gain a tune point anytime you really lean into the tunery. And I really mean lean into it. If you half-ass it, you're not getting a damn thing. Wusha, for your hilarity and absurdity, you also gain a tune point. Sick. Wusha will dash his way to the open front door. Mm -hmm. Will dig into his pack and say, <laughs> they never saw this one coming. And is going to pull out. A cannon using his hammer space rule. <laughs> the cannon is shiny and black and has a big skull and crossbones painted on the butt end of it. Okay. Are you uh, sheathing your uh, one of your weapons for this? It's a I'm just setting it on the ground. It's a cannon. <laughs> it's a full-on, like, ship cannon. I love it. Wow, who's just really getting this place into ship shape? <laughs> I mean, that's cannon now. <laughs> As the Goontoons surround the foundry, the dark cloud which once hung over the edge of town now settles in as overcast over Dreamville. Dirk Bradley's diabetes workshop is being assaulted by the goons from the edge of town. Gosh, I love a good defense quest. Up there on the parapets with your buds, holding the line against invaders, inspiring stuff. Oh, look who it is! My favorite mechanoid barber! Mechanoid barber? Oh, yeah, they're all the rage. First, they get a fitting by throwing a very large, unwieldy wig on you. Then do things inside the hair. Things? What things? Fitting things. I don't know. Let's do it! I... Don't think that's a great idea on live scrub. Sure it is. We're in Toontown. Everything's goofy today. Wouldn't you feel better in this comically oversized tan afro? No. Fair enough. I'll take on this khaki quaff. And you can try on this massive shaved bait, which conveniently, but unnecessarily, allows access to your primary personality course. All right. But don't let's touch those. You'll void my warranty. Of course not. Good old Winston here will do absolutely nothing to your personality core. He will be performing standardized wig maintenance and adjustment to ensure comfortable fit that suits the shape of your chassis. Good. I was worried he might do anything at all else. No risk of that. He is not qualified as anything other than a professional wig technologist. So I'll just pop mine on and you'll... Do the same. Sure. Right. Great. Golly, this hair smarts. Should I be bleeding this much? 
I thought these were just, you know, wigs. When you told me what we were doing, I assumed you would want mechanoid wigs. That would definitely explain the drilling sensation. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. And another word from my primary care provider. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. New third level spells. 150 drac. Divination Orb. 3,800 drac. Book of Forbidden Lore. 9,000 drac. Infinite arcane power that draws from the borders of the multiverse? Priceless. Some magic money can't buy. For everything else, there's Caster Card. Hey, all you cuties. You take the high roll, and I'll take the mid roll, and I'll be in Dornheim before you. As always, a huge thank you to those who make the show possible. Those people are our fans, supporters, commenters, reviewers, but above all else, our patrons. Because it costs money to do this, and having them at our back makes it a reality. And a huge thank you to our new highest tier Patreon supporter, Mashy2Flashy, for your generous pledge and passion for the show itself. It really meant a lot to me and Zach. Our current legendary mid-roll teams are the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise, with Christopher Mashburn, Dylan Hoyt, a.k.a. Meat Dad, John Reinhardt, and Liz Aris. To get a personal message read on the show or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. We're streaming. We just moved over to YouTube for now, and we like it. Thank you to everyone who followed us on Twitch, but for now, if you go to YouTube and search for Slapdash, you can follow the channel there. That way you'll get updates on when we're live and when new episodes or random videos get uploaded. Zach's been running N64 Zelda randomizers, and after this week, we'll be back to having live episode premieres Monday night, hosted by Dana. And of course, Wednesday nights, we'll be doing our Pokemon Soul Links, minus this week due to a personal reason known as my job. <laughs> the mailing address is 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon 97214 if there's anything you've been dying to get to the cast as long as it's not homemade food. We hope to see you in the Discord if you weren't already there. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the battle axes. Thursdays on PBS, the piercing bludgeoning slashing network. We're all given a lot in life, and what we do with it says a lot about who we are. Alpha Root Mode was created like many mechanoids in the realms of logic and mathematics. 
But rather than spend their eternal life pondering the infinite equation, ARM found the mystery of the living the most fascinating, especially plant life. After eons of study, they're here to help you start your own garden, care for your crops, dress up your yard with flowers and shrubs, and even learn a bit about yourself. There are many kinds of soil, and it is imperative that you discern which kinds of soil you are working with before laying down seeds. There is clay, sandy, chalk, loam, and many others. To identify your soil without the help of a highly advanced material spectrum analyzer, simply ball it up with some water and see how well it sticks together. Alpha Root Mode takes you through the basics of herb gardens, rose trimming, and even composting. Mulch is classified as an organic material that is placed on the top layer of soil to aid in keeping plants moist and regulate weed growth. Be sure to have a good supply before starting any major growing projects. And remember, the best time of year to start growing different plants is based on your local climate, temperatures, and humidity. Your key to the world of plant life starting at home. It's Alpha Root Mode, The Robotanist. Thursdays on PBS, the piercing, bludgeoning, slashing network. There you stand, in Dirk Bradley's Sugar Workshop, against an army of Toon Goons. The initiative is as follows. The environment starts at 20. Nelly, 16. Wusha, 16. Gaspar, 15. Yavo, 7. And the Goons at a natural 1. Suck it, Goons. They're so motivated. They are sucking good. They're unbuckling their seatbelts. <laughs> Takes a little <laughs> extra time. Why did you buckle up? <laughs> I don't know. Safety first. This combat will be using minion rules. As such, every enemy that you see can be killed in one hit with the exception of the lieutenants, which take two hits. The amount of damage isn't important, only that they take some amount of damage. Allow me to place the lads. The boys are back in Toontown. The environment begins. Five Toon Goons run through the doors. You also hear the smashing of windows to either side of you and behind as more goons fly in through there. At the moment, there are nine on the field. That brings us to Nellie. Nellie pulls out her lyre, which is drawn very stylistically and seems to have its own face, unfortunately. <laughs> as she narrates, instead of playing it, it begins to sing. The sailor was in his element, awash in a sea of colors. Grab a bucket and a mop. It's a wet-ass swabby. <laughs> we also would have accepted Wooshy. <laughs> Wusha, take a bardic inspiration. Hell yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to give you a tune point for that one. Thank you. What is your inspiration up to right now? D6. Fucking I have not been putting levels in bard. You will also be re-rolling any ones you roll on those inspirations because of her liar's ability. Sweet. That is correct. And then I am going to move up next to Warren, and I'm going to cast Spirit Guardians. Mm. There's a flash of light and cartoon cherub versions of Penny Farthing, Penny Dreadful, and Penicos all begin flying around Nellie's head. Soon they spread out 
and start slashing at all of our enemies. As a reminder, Spirit Guardians is a 15-foot radius around the caster, and when a creature starts its turn there or moves into it for the first time, they have to make a wisdom saving throw or take damage. Good to know. That is the end of my turn. Dirk, call the treasurer. There's pennies everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to Wuxia. Sweet. Wuxia, seeing everybody rush in so suddenly and not getting a chance to fire into their lines, will be a little bit bewildered at the sudden approach of all these creatures. Uh, you're pointed the wrong way, Big Bessie. He's going to reach down and scoop up the cannon by the sides and turn it around, taking a couple steps to his right so he doesn't just shoot the big pool in front of him. You came with the tax of opportunity? Oh, yeah, they are adjacent to me, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I don't give a shit. Cool. One of them swings at you with a stun baton and rolls 19. 19 is my AC. Hey, that'll do it. Fortunately, they don't do a lot of damage. Otherwise, you'd be fucked. Yeah, but you said the word stun. I'm not worried about damage right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you take three plus two for five lightning damage. Rude. None of them seem to be terribly cartoonish. Their design certainly has a very toony edge to it, but they don't seem to be going for goofy or fun. They're too serious for that. With Wuxia's skeleton being illuminated for a moment, (laughs) he is going to take the titular Big Bessie, his cannon, and aim at one of the people who just jumped in through the window. Throwing the back open, stuffing a cannonball in, kicking it closed, and igniting the little wick that comes out. The cannonball is going to belch forward in smoke and... Does a 20 total hit its AC? That'll do it. Turns out these nameless thugs aren't exactly high with the dodge. <laughs> it would deal 3d6 damage, but instead it deals exactly enough. Ooh, <laughs> 9,999. Which one are you targeting? The queen's northmost of them. Excellent. Beautiful. As you might imagine, the cannonball collides with it and explodes, and you hear what is unmistakably the sound of bowling pins being knocked as the arms and legs fly off and clatter on the ground. That brings us to Gaspar. Gaspar looks over at the two other goons that have come in through the window. They're currently perched on a pipe about 10 feet high. I don't have a good angle to get both of them. So before loading his crossbow, Gaspar is going to take the bolt and bend it into like a boomerang shape. Then load it onto the crossbow, point it at the goon, point very left of the goon, and then fire. (laughs) I love that. Um, Launching a boomerang. That is a 24 to hit. That'll hit him. It's going to do two and three quarters damage. (laughs) (laughs) And after striking into the goon, that boomerang bolt is going to keep on going. And do 3d6 necrotic uh, to the other one on the pipeline as I curve the bolt. <laughs> curve the coral? You're just, you're just making me think of wanted, which I definitely don't want right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want in my life is more wanted. As a bonus action, I'm going to act like a flounder and hide in this granulated sugar. <laughs> just shimmy in. <laughs> I love it. What'd you get? 
That's a 27. Shockingly, their passive perception is not that great. And so you do manage to effectively hide yourself in sugar. <laughs> See you later, sugar. Okay. That brings us to Yavos. So Yavos wants to move to the other side of the vat, but it seems like kind of a narrow gap between the actual color bins and pipes and the wall around it. So he's going to um, inhale as hard as he can to the point where his body, like an accordion, sucks in and as his feet go, kind of sneak his way to the other side. (laughs) Terrible. And then exhaling back to his full weight. I love it. I'll get you a two point. Nice. Uh, For a bonus action, Iavos is going to take the quill staff and twisting a before unexistent lever. Uh, He's going to have the tip of it explode out into bristles, turning into a giant paintbrush. (laughs) And as he activates it, he floats in the air and dunks into the vat of rainbow colors before flying over to this guy and painting something in the air above him. Okay. Uh, This is a spiritual weapon cast at third level. But instead of it actually striking things, it's going to draw things in the air using the rainbow paint. I very much like that. Uh, So a prismatic anvil appears 15 feet above (laughs) this guy's head and tries to fall down square on his noggin. (laughs) It says heavy lord on the side. I already gave you your tune point, but this is just know that this would have been a second one. Sure. I was going to do this anyway. Um, That is a 16 to hit his noggin. Excellent. Uh, That'll do it. So it slams down, dealing a bunch of damage, which is irrelevant. Um, <laughs> one ton. One ton of damage, <laughs> creating a minion-sized hole in the floor <laughs> with a lot of smoke and stars rising out of it. Beautiful. And then as his true action, Iavos is going to cast Mage Hand and try to find the lever that controls the giant door that the minions are all standing in right now and see if I can pop it just long enough to bonk them all on the head. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. You see, you see the lever, uh, which is on the wall, uh, just adjacent to the northernmost of the minions. Okay. Uh, the mage hand looks like a big three-fingered white glove. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to kind of polish, gently touch the lever, and then... <laughs> <laughs> the door slams down on all of their heads. It doesn't deal damage, but what it does do is cause all of them to have disadvantage on their next roll. Nice. Hell yeah. Now that's some synergy with my daughter. <laughs> Before her ghost deer eat them alive. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that is my turn. I like it. And that brings us to the goons. The two in front of me need to make a wisdom saving throw. I thought it was when they moved into the space. Or when they start their turn there. Uh, okay. okay. Cock die. Impressive. That is a nine and a two. <laughs> the cherub versions of Penny Farthing and Penicos unsheath their respective zillai and descend on these two goons in front of me, cutting them to ribbons. Excellent. Uh, go ahead and remove those two. Beautiful. The remaining three, realizing the immediate threat that you pose with your spell, begin to attack you, Nelly. The first gets a 21. That is a hit. The second gets 10. And the last gets 16. Uh, 16 is a hit. Oof. Nice. Beautiful. Uh, The first attack is for five. As the crossbow bolt comes flying at you, it seems almost like it's going to go past you and then kind of arcs 
to hit you. That's the fifth. That's the sixteen, by the way. <laughs> uh, go ahead and roll me concentration. First roll is a nat one. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no. As she is struck by the crossbow bolts, all the cherubs emit a, a cute little scream and then poof out of existence. <laughs> a cute little scream. <laughs> <laughs> and the next hit is another five. That's a total of 10 damage, and it seems to break concentration, which uh, frees things up to go back to the top of the initiative after these lads move. Four more minions come flooding in, as well as one, which seems to be charred from head to toe. That brings us to Nelly. Nelly's lyre continues singing, but switches cadence. I keep on rooting, he's got cake, and he's shooting. Gaspar, <laughs> take a bardic inspiration. Thank you. <laughs> And then, with my standard action, Nelly is going to tell a story. One of an old friend. The hero burned with fire like the coming of the dawn, for no man was his equal on the path he'd set upon. He'd never stray from what he knew was honorable and right. He'd always bring the fire, and he'd always bring the smite. Awesome. Fucking radical. Nelly's antlers alight in celestial fire, and she headbutts the goon in front of her. That is a 24 to hit. That'll do it. And as Penelope headbutts this goon with her antlers, the number 9,999 appears at his feet, and he fades away. Perfect. For some reason, I thought you were going to say you headbutt him, and he starts vomiting uh, butterflies and flowers. <laughs> and then that brings us back to Wuxia. Hey, Wuxia, seeing these henchmen charge in, looks flustered, immediately irritated by them. Taking cleanup Claire and dunking it in the purple goo next to him, he looks at both of them and says, Oi, lads, it's a shoes-off household, and drums his own bare feet against the ground. He's going to take the mop, put it on the ground, and slop back and forth with it to hit both of the creatures adjacent to him. I get a plus nine bonus with this now, which is fucking disgusting. Nice. <laughs> uh, with that being said, that is a 16 against one of their ACs. That hits. Fantastic. And a 28 against the other one. That one doesn't. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I looped all the way back around. <laughs> Splashing the purple liquid on each one, they get pointier, sharper, edgier, meaner, darker. <laughs> Their edges become so sharp, they cut themselves inward, cutting themselves from the frame. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. You realize in one moment, that these tunes are extremely vulnerable to the liquids inside here, and each liquid seems to contain something a little different. Quickly tracing a path of the purple goo across the ground, Wuxia is going to rush to the third one at Queen's North and bowls into it with my new cleave ability from Clean Up Claire. Fair enough. That is a 30 against its AC. That'll do it. Splashing the goo up onto it, its edges grow sharp one more time as it cuts itself from existence. Its collar grows into blades that slice its head into a triangle. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's my turn. Beautiful. That brings us to Gaspar. Gaspar is going to appear from the pile of sugar in a spinning motion that gets faster and faster with a saber drawn and turn into a top <laughs> that is going to ramp up 
onto this cauldron and towards some of these goons. I'd like you to go ahead and make me an acrobatics check since you are literally turning into a Beyblade. That's a 29 to turn into a Tasmanian rogue. Absolutely (laughs) successful. So I'm just going to pass by them, seemingly leaving them unharmed. But as they try and follow me and take their opportunity attacks, they find out that their bottom halves move and their top halves stay where they were and they just plop down onto the floor. And I assume that second attack is from your necrotic ability? Yes. What shape does that take here? I'd say like as I strike the first enemy down, I just borrow their departing soul Mm. very quickly, attach it onto my blade and launch it out at the other one. I like it. It all gets lost in the tornado that I currently am. Of course. Yeah. You just killed one guy with another guy's outline. (laughs) (laughs) And then... Revealing what I found in that sugar pile, there's going to be two lollipops that launch out. I'm going to attempt to use a tune point and prank. <laughs> awesome. Launch out these lollipops into their mouths. They turn out to be extreme sour ones. And then you watch their faces <laughs> shrivel up. Like their eyes uh, and mouth all gravitate towards their nose. Tiny face, big head. <laughs> I fucking love that. What's the effect on that? That is going to impart disadvantage on their next check. I love it. That's my turn. Uh, you're going to go ahead and get a tune point back for that just because of all of all of it. <laughs> and that's going to bring us to Yavos. At the beginning of his turn, Yavos is going to reach his hand way too deep into his robe pockets, fishing around in some unknown depth, and then pulling out a dented can which says beef stew written on it. (laughs) Uh, And with a bizarre feat of strength, he crushes the can launching a perfect brick of stew into the air, which he leans his head back and catches as it shoots down his gullet Uh. and forms a mass in his body that slides down to his feet and bounces all the way back up, (laughs) making his head expand outward with the veins bustling and throbbing. And the sound plays da 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 da. <laughs> so, using the bulk up action, I'm going to use this magical beef stew power to give myself a d4 to a stat of my choice for a d4 plus one rounds. So, I've got plus three to intelligence for two rounds. Brain food. Yes. Food for thought. You know, beef stew, brain food. Yeah. <laughs> I always get smarter after wolfing down a can of fucking minestrone. When you have a problem, you stew on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And my uh, paintbrush is going to return to me to get a nice big glug of more rainbow paint all over it. And I'm going to hold my action until more minions start to break in. I like it. That is now the goon's turn. (gasps) The flamey boy fires a crossbow bolt of pure lava. At Gaspar. That is a 22. But he has disadvantage because he's a sourpuss. He does. And that's a nine. (laughs) When he launches out the lava bolt, I'm going to hold out a little stop sign. (laughs) Take a step to the left. Flip it over to go. I like it. (laughs) The lava bolt goes flying past you. He then reaches into his quiver of flaming bolts, pulls it out. And instead of a bolt, it's a large flaming mace. 
He steps forward and swings at you with it. Does an 18 hit? Yes, it does. Hey, these guys are beefier and he's going to deal you nine plus two fire damage. As I see this flaming mace come towards me, I'm going to just exhale on it, try and blow out the fire just a bit. I'm going to use my uncanny dodge as a reaction (laughs) to have the damage just and take five damage. Fair enough. The last remaining goon is going to attack Ayavos for a 19. At a disadvantage because he's sour. At 20. (laughs) I'm the one sour now. (laughs) Got better. Uh, Yes, of course that did. Excellent. This one only deals his base damage of four plus two. Ouch. And that brings us back to the top of the initiative. Several more goons arrive, as well as two more lieutenants, one of them dripping with acid and the other one radiating with necrotic energy. At this, Dirk yells out, Okay, okay, I've got it, everybody. It's all calibrated. Now get in the soup. Okay, each of these cauldrons has a different, uh, you know, what's the word? Uh, Personality trait, that's it. They're designed to uh, re-endurkify this place with energy, or ener-dirk, whatever. It's supposed to fix Dreamville. It's innocence, simplicity, compassion, enthusiasm, melancholy, and edge. You go ahead and pick which one you embody the most, and uh, we'll figure this out from there. I'll take the innocence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, edge. (laughs) Definitely. As the new goons appear, I'm going to use my held action. I'm going to take my paintbrush, which is now re-gunked with paint, (laughs) and fling it in the air. And as the gobs of paint fly towards these three individuals over here, I'm going to cast Flyleaf. But because this is cartoon paint, instead of turning into shards, it's going to turn into a bunch of random objects like a hot dog and (laughs) a flying chicken and a ruler and a half-cored apple (laughs) just bonking and slapping into them. Excellent. What are they rolling? They're rolling me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Fail. Fail. And fail. Beautiful. And my DC's higher because I'm full of brain stew. <laughs> <laughs> the hot dog which you flung flies into the hot dog machine, which is clearly labeled on the map, everybody. It <laughs> flies into it, comes out with a bun, jumps at a 90-degree angle towards the man next to it. It hovers there, emitting stink lines. He rises up, takes a bite, and then explodes into dozens upon dozens more hot dogs. And some razor-sharp glizzies up in here. <laughs> Uh, so if the three fail, they are bombarded by nonsense into non-existence. They are donezo. That brings us back to the top of the initiative with Nelly. The only vat that is currently filled is Melancholy, containing Warren. <laughs> that seems right. That seems right. Okay. Nelly is going to point a finger at this figure in front of her. And very briefly, the silhouette of a hag appears around her. And I'm going to need this enemy to make an intelligence saving throw. He rolled a flat 14. He takes damage as he immediately begins vomiting flowers (laughs) that just pour from his mouth and ears. (laughs) The liar sings, you can die from my flowers. (laughs) And Nelly is going to take a movement and mirthful leap into the innocence vat. He still yet lives because he is, after all, one of the lieutenants, but he has taken one of his damaged points and he's hurling flowers all over the place. 
every once in a while, a butterfly comes fluttering out and then eventually lands on one of the flowers and then dies. As you settle into the innocence pool, you recall your childhood. Those feelings of safety and warmth and a full belly in a place where everybody loved you. And you also realize the person this is intended to embody never had those feelings. And that brings us to Wuxia. Wuxia doesn't need to be told to go swimming twice. With eyes large and excited, he runs as fast as he can to the enthusiasm pool. Right before getting there, he's going to leap into the air as a big diving board appears beneath him, bends deeply under his weight, and sproings him into the liquid. As you enter, you're overcome. Your already explosive enthusiasm becomes so bombastic you can barely contain it. Your eyeballs pop out and shimmer and shake before sucking back into your head. Every single inch of you is teeming with energy and you begin to shine like a beacon of light against the horrors that you have faced and the pain you have dealt with your whole life. Let's fucking go! No! (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to Gaspar. So Gaspar is going to follow the instructions. He's going to lift both hands onto his left side as well as his right leg as if he's doing a cocking motion for his sprint and then leave an after image of himself as he dashes towards the edge tank. That is a disengage action, a move, and a dash to get to the tank. As soon as you sit down, you remember your teenage years. All of the angst and suffering and difficulty. The feeling that you knew more than everybody else and they were just too stupid to get it. And that brings us to Iavos. Iavos is going to turn to one of the empty vats, the one that he knows in his heart is compassion. And shaking the last of the paint off of his spiritual weapon paintbrush, he's going to fling a couple of banana peels on the floor in front of the oncoming minion. (laughs) Use all of his strength to climb onto the edge of the giant vat and from there leap into the blue vat. As he jumps through the air, his robes fly off and are replaced by a full body red and white striped swimsuit. Uh, And he kerplunks into the compassionate blue juice. Beautiful. You remember raising your daughter. And you also remember being raised by beings beyond your comprehension. And then you remember never being raised, being left alone, a closet where your closest friends were a mop, a bucket, a broom. That brings us to the goon's turn, which is also Bradley's turn. He takes a slow, somber walk into simplicity. And there, he smiles. You all feel that rising sense of energy, each one corresponding to your own respective cauldron. The liquid pouring from this cauldron begins to brighten until it glows, and the rainbow at the center fuses together into a brilliant white light. From it, Gouts of steam begin to pour out and fill Dreamville. All around you, the Toon Goons begin to cartoonify. Big, bulging, glowing eyes, long, luxurious, colored hair, animalistic features, all of them take on the embodiments of this beautiful place. The air smells of cinnamon, bubblegum, hot dogs, and artificial strawberry flavoring. It explodes outward in a cloud, and wherever it touches, life returns. The buildings spring back to their full height, 
the roads mend and straighten, and the people fill with color and life, eyes and smiles sparkling as the fog fades and the sun shines down. You did it! I can't believe you actually did it! Not only did we do it, we did better than anyone else could have done it! That you did! You really absolutely did! I've been trying to get through his defenses for weeks! Who would have guessed that all I needed was a team of heroes to convince him he was safe? Wait, uh... Who's responsible for all this, then? Oh! <laughs> that was me! And that is when the dream dissolves. The workshop fades into a cold iron foundry, a tang of rust woven into every breath. The room is lit only by a purple light from the arcane contraption in which you all sit. Six chairs, rune-carved iron bands, their symbols glowing. Beneath you, violet lines make a crisscrossing shape on the ground. And where they converge is Glen Armistice, his graying hair now shining chestnut, the wrinkles on his face gone, his beard thick and full. He bears his perfect teeth, half performer, half predator, going in for the kill. There we go. Found him. Found what? What did you find? Your... Uh-huh. Hair. Matrix. My hair. Matrix. Correct. You're messing with my personality cores, aren't you? Correct. But if it's any consolation, you won't care. In three, two, one. Hello, I'm Paige Data Road. Breaking news. Glenn Armistice, Dean and Founder of the Academy for Adventuring Arts, Controlling Shareholder in EXPN and Interim Commissioner of the Battle Axis, and World Class Tit, placed a restraining collar on my primary personality core during my last scheduled maintenance. A major violation of the Autonomous Mechanoid Protection signed into law by Asago Shigure. Wow. That's heavy stuff. In short, Glenn, King of Ass Mountain Armistice, violated my autonomy so he could scry on my actions and ensure I don't speak out against him. My job is not worth my integrity, and if it involves working under that monster, it's not worth a ham sandwich. Well said, Blake. Well said. We'll be right back for more of this weird cartoon quest after we finish cleaning the skeletons out of Paige's brain closet. While that happens, I'll do a little afternoon refuel. I'm thinking ham, possibly between sheets of bread. Dreamtown got Ooh. too real. Too real for me. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I did not see that coming. <laughs> this is why you don't take baths. Never leaves anything good. <laughs> How dare you whiplash me with color. <laughs> Incredible. So based on what you said when I got into the, the innocence one, because I was like the first one in, I actually thought I got in the wrong one. <laughs> and for a second, I'm like, wait, I'm not innocence. Why aren't they innocence? Aww. Oh, right. The genocide. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Oh my god, I love this play. <laughs> this is a very cool map. It's an incredible map. This encounter was really fun. This was good. This was good. Thank you. 
We we always bend the rules of physics, but in Cartoon Town, you can really fucking get weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, plus it's a minion encounter. I was kind of letting letting oh, some fun. shit slide. Oh, for it's, sure. It's always fun to do like the the tower defense kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Like not all the time, but once in a while, very good. Can I ask what the other colors would have done to the minions if we splashed them on them, or does that take way too fucking long to explain? <laughs> I mean, basically, it would have been they all become different aspects of the various parts of Toontown. That makes sense. The Toontown uh, areas being Silent Square, the Anime Neighborhood, them there hills, uh, you know, the edge of town, obviously. Yeah, mm. I'm a little sad we didn't get to be anime. it's for the best oh it is it is that would have been a lot we could have had an anime opening Uh, if it helps enthusiasm was anime neighborhood that makes sense oh that makes sense oh that that was an edge no (laughs) uh, like as soon as we step in I have us just sprouts I had a blue hair (laughs) that's totally shown in his ambition and Wusha is his own hot springs episode (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's nasty and to clarify, Gaspar, the reason it wasn't Edge is because Edge is specifically Saturday morning edgy cartoons. Like oh. we're talking like that, like super over the top. Everybody's really over enthusiastic, but in the wrong kind of way. Do you have Which an example? Too cool. I mean, Street Shark. Yeah, like Street oh, Sharks oh, and I stuff love it. like okay. that. Biker yeah. mice from Mars. Mice from Samurai Mars. Pizza Cats. <laughs> exactly. Really, everything yeah. that that came out of the Ninja Turtles popularity. Yeah. Any young animal adjective <laughs> noun. Uh, but the real secret. Is that they all interchange with each other? <laughs> they're all whatever you want them to be. They're all they're all mixing together yeah. into the same soup. Same soup, exactly. The essence of Dirk Bradley. <laughs> I'll drink it someday. Do we got any favorite moments? Favorite moments is busting out the bucket and the mop for the wet <laughs> suave. It was just too perfect. It was that was fun. I don't get to like I, I don't parody real songs. That's that's not my thing in this mm. show. But I'm like. That's kind of fun. In this place, it's okay. Yeah, and I all, all I had in my head was like the singing sword trope. I'm mm. like, let's do it. Let's call this one quasi-canon. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give it to Mayor Clown Bear. <laughs> I got to <laughs> fucking give it to Mayor Clown Fuck Bear. Fuck you, Max. Fuck you, Max. I'm sorry. I fucking love Mayor Clown Bear. I, all, I typically tend to steal the thing you like, and and this time, I, I have to apologize. I, I felt so good about it. I've become my father. <laughs> So, yeah, just that was like, very good. Every single one of his lines, <laughs> drinking soy sauce was incredible. It's Mayor Clown soy. Bear will live on in my heart. Okay, Max, I, I like how before the combat even started, you used hammer space to pull out a cannon. <laughs> that was very good. I like your cannon. Thank you. Thank you. I do my best. I'm disappointed you didn't launch yourself out of the cannon. I mm. thought about it. I knew you thought about it. I thought about it. Mm. I, uh, I'm also surprised you didn't go for simplicity. <laughs> I, you know, I, you're right. I, I tried to find the nicest word possible for stupid. No, I, <laughs> I'm totally there. I feel you. I feel, I feel like, I feel like simplicity and enthusiasm are both equal measures. Fucking wusha. That's absolutely fair. Also, I got to say, let's fucking go. No, which. God, it's like when you have those uh, diagrams with with like the hexagon and like the the hash marks and the oh, you yeah. know the, the <laughs> yeah, thing. The stats. But yeah. for for but for these six metrics, that'd be hilarious to see for the characters. <laughs> <laughs> you know the six personality traits that everybody has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That make up a normal human soul. Yeah. Let's just replace the stats on our character sheets with these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if, if you stay here too long, like. The, those are the the ability scores in the tune game. I'm gonna min max sadness. Oh, <laughs> uh, I liked getting to play a chemically altered Warren Rusbro. <laughs> 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 
fun to get to think of drunk, magical soup lines. And I'm glad that I said it tastes like homework because his was melancholy. <laughs> and that makes sense. It's exactly right. <laughs> I really loved everybody's willingness to just play in the space. Honestly, you made this a lot easier than it could have been. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just a fun, goofy time. And I'm having a great time with it. I want to thank Brie Golden of Golden Stylus for making this fucking map. So good. It's so goddamn good. It it's as sweet as all the sugary <laughs> piles lovingly rendered into it. That barfing blue machine speaks to every single part of my He's being. He's very friend-shaped. <laughs> Is that the toffee? That's the toffee. That's taffy, taffy, taffy. Taffy, taffy. Just spitting taffy onto the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to thank Hediger the Editor for editing this episode. Thank you, Sam. You are, as always, a treasure. And I really want to thank you, the audience, for listening and being a part of everything here. But until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs>